Hi, my name's Ryan Perry. I'm the pastor at Seneca Baptist Church, and we are so thankful that you're joining us in this online resource. Our prayer for you is that this resource would not replace your active involvement in a local body of Christ, but would rather be supplemental to it. If you are interested in getting further connected to the ministry of Seneca Baptist Church or to giving financially, please visit our website, SenecaBaptist.org. Thank you and enjoy. He is worthy. Amen. Today, I'd love for you to grab your Bible. Open up to Luke chapter 22, and we'll be looking in verse 14. 22 verse 14, and you're going to need your Bible today. Um, I've got a lot of scripture on the screens, but the scripture that you're going to see on the screens, the majority of it, after we read through it, is going to be from other places in the scriptures. Uh, and so uh, you're going to need your Bible to hold, hold tight to Luke chapter 22, okay? So if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a hardback black one in the pew rack in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, please take that Bible. It is our gift to you. We just want every person to have access to God's Word. If God's Word can change you like it's changed me, uh, and I know it can, I want that for you, okay? Let's read together. 22 verse 14. <clears throat> and when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they'd eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be, who was going to do this? Now, I want you to skip down to verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Let's pray together. Father, I forgot to ask them to stand but we truly do honor your word in this place. Father, so would you help us to sanctify your word in our hearts as truth? Father, would you show us the connections all the way from the book of Exodus 
to hear in Luke? Would you help us to see the cup that Jesus is talking about here? Would you help us to understand how all the cup at the the Passover meal and the cup in the garden are connected? Would you help us to see and behold you? And like Exodus chapter 24, would you take us up the mountain that we might behold your glory and that we might eat and drink with you today? We want to be satisfied on the very drink of living water and the very bread of life. Your word and your spirit today satisfy our hearts. Holy Spirit, come be our teacher. We're desperate for you. We don't want to go home like we came. But Father, change us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, here's my goal. Here's my goal. Now, um, I I want to show you a theme through the scriptures. The theme is the cup. The cup. And so today I want to show you the cups of Jesus. The cups of Jesus. The cups of Jesus are shown to us from the beginning of scriptures all the way to here and even into Revelation. And so I want to show you the cups. And the first cup that we see is the cup of blessing. The cup of blessing. And the the cup of blessing is shown to us at the Lord's Supper. That Jesus is giving them a cup. Take this and pass it around. It's the cup of my covenant. It's my covenant and my blood. It's a cup of my promise that I'm sealing with my death and my blood spilled. I'm giving you this covenant. And the covenant goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to make Abraham a people so great. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to give you an inheritance. And I'm going to make you a blessing. I will be your God in your midst And you will be my people, and I will be with you forever. This is the blessing that God gives us. And so we see the cup at the Lord's table, the cup of blessing that Jesus passes out. That when we share of the Lord's cup at the Lord's supper, we share in the cup of blessing every time we share it. And so we see the cup of blessing in the Lord's supper, and we see it here Now, the cup of blessing you also see back all the way in Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 and 6, which we have on the screen. And in Psalm 23, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Now, the psalmist is saying the life that you've given me, the lines that you've uh, given me as boundaries for my life. My lot is my cup and man. You have blessed me well. You are my chosen portion in my cup. He says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. This is the cup of God's blessing out of Psalm 16. Then in Psalm 23, a more familiar one, he says, sure, or my cup runneth over. My cup overflows. It runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the cup of God, the cup of God's blessing. So we see that very clearly. And in this passage in the book of Luke, we also see a cup that's a little different. The second cup that we see is the cup of wrath. It's the cup of wrath. Now, we don't like talking about the cup of wrath, but we see it in verses 39 and following, where in verse 42... Jesus begins to pray. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this cup from me. Now, it can't be the cup of the covenant that he just offered to his disciples. So what cup is it? In fact, this is a different cup, the cup of God's wrath. 
Now, the cup of God's judgment. We don't like thinking about those things. We don't like thinking about that God could have a cup of wrath or a cup of judgment. Now, here's what I did the other day in SCA Chapel. Um, in SCA Chapel the other day, I, I asked the middle schoolers to describe God. Describe for me God. What is God like? If you could describe Jesus uh, in all of his ways, how would you describe him? And I heard words like love and kindness and mercy and grace and funny. I guess Jesus was pretty funny. If you read some of the scriptures, you will laugh and go, that was pretty funny right there. Jesus did have a sense of humor. I mean, just look at us. Amen, somebody. He, uh, he saved us. Uh, he had a sense of humor. And they mentioned all of these things that he loved people and, and, and he was welcoming and all of these wonderful traits about Jesus. And then they stopped. And I said to them, is Jesus also a God who is just? Well, yeah. Is he a God who is righteous? Uh-huh. Is he a God who is judge? Yes. But you see, they didn't view Jesus that way. They viewed Jesus through this lens, this side of his character, but they did not view Jesus as a God who was a righteous judge and who would one day bear wrath upon the world. Now, is it good news that Jesus is love? Is that true? Amen? Oh my gosh, it is such good news. It's good news for the sinner and the saint that he is love. Grace, mercy incarnate. It's great news, but it's also good news that he's just and righteous and a God of vengeance. It's good news that he's those things when we've been wronged. Amen? That's why in the scriptures it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't have to take vengeance. Why? Because God will right every wrong one day. It's good news that God is a God of wrath. And we can't know that God is love if we don't first know that God is a God of judgment, a God of justice, a God of wrath also. But we just don't like talking about it, amen? We don't. I've never heard somebody say, I woke up this morning and I was just so encouraged in God's word when I learned how wrathful he was. Nobody's ever said that to me, but when I understand how wrathful he is, I truly understand how gracious and kind and merciful He is to those who are undeserving. Amen? Wake up out there. Wake up. Alright, so we see the cup of uh, a blessing at the Lord's table. We see the cup of wrath in the garden. What is the cup of wrath? He says, remove it from me. What is it? Alright, Isaiah chapter 51 verse 17. It's up on the screen. It says, wake yourself, wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, the cup of staggering. And then again in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 15, it says, thus the Lord, the God of Israel said to me, take from my hand this cup of the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. And so we need to understand there's a cup of blessing in Jesus and there's a cup of wrath that Jesus is giving us too. He's showing to us. And so the cup of blessing he hands out to the disciples, the cup of wrath he reserved for himself. Do you see this? 
The cup of blessing, he passes out and he says, take it and drink it. The cup of wrath, he brings to his own self and says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. What is this wrath for? This wrath is for the hatred of sin. God's hatred of sin. And somebody's ears must have perked in that moment and said, Can God hate? Can He? Yes. God can hate. He can hate. Psalm chapter 5, verse 5. Psalm chapter 11, verse 5. Go home, write those down, read them later. God hates evil. Hates it. And you can't know the deepest love of God without understanding God's ability to hate that which is evil. You, you see it in your life. Has somebody ever tried to hurt your children? Wouldn't you hate something that tried to hurt somebody that belonged to you? I love my wife. And I promise you that I would hate anything that tried to destroy the marriage that my wife and I have. I would hate it. And you would look at me and you would see me hating the thing that was trying to destroy my relationship with my wife and you would say, he really loves her. And in the same way, God hates sin. Why? Because it has destroyed the relationship between holy God and His creation. Sin has destroyed it, and He therefore hates it. And His hate for that is truly love for you and me. Can God hate? Yes, He hates what, that which has ruined our relationship. I used this a few weeks ago in my Sanctity of Human Life message that if you haven't listened to, please go back on our website and listen to it. A good man hates as God himself does. He hates not the persons of men, but their sins. Not what God made them, but what they have made themselves. God hates what they have made themselves by their sin. And to leave the sinner unpunished for our rebellion would not be love at all. Jesus is both loving and just. He is simultaneously grace and wrath all at the same time. Perfect in every way. And you can't understand one without the other. God has a cup of wrath for the sin of mankind. Perfect wrath for each one of your sins and for my sins. And He is storing it up for you and for me. One of the most famous sermons ever preached was preached by a Puritan named Jonathan Edwards. Called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. I want you to understand God has hatred for sin. And He is storing up wrath for that sin. And He one day will pour it out in perfect justice upon the offender. And we don't like seeing ourselves that way, do we? Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are by nature children of wrath. So we see the cup of blessing at the Lord's table. We see the cup of wrath in the Garden of Gethsemane. So that, in both of these passages, you see the cups of God represented. And Jesus offers to us the cup of blessing and He desires the cup of wrath to be removed from Him. And here in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
Just imagine for a moment. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes for just a moment. It's as if God lets Jesus glimpse over the brim of the cup of the wrath of God for the first time ever. He sees the wrath that has been stored up at the sins of all mankind forever. In the eternal nature of God, that He is not just omnipotent, where He's all-powerful, and He's not just omnipresent, but He is also omnitemporal, which means He's in every time and every place. That means He knew every sin that you and I would ever commit, that all of mankind would ever commit, and all of the wrath of God for all of the sin of mankind that it would would live and will live, or did live and will live, has been stored up in that cup, and God gave Jesus a glimpse over it there in the garden. And Jesus said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he sweated drops of blood. Some people would say that's a metaphor. A metaphor, but there is a medical condition. I had to write it down because I'm not smart enough to remember it. Uh, hemato. Nope. Hematohydrosis, I think is how you say it. And this, this, um, this happens when someone is so overcome with anguish and grief that the, the veins around their pores or their glands begin to open and they actually sweat blood and water mixed together. And he began to sweat great drops of blood at what he looked into. And we need to understand that these two cups, the cup of blessing and the cup of wrath, are interconnected. They're interconnected for us. So the question that we've got to ask is, I think it's on the screen here, how is it that we can receive the cup of blessing, of God's blessing, from Jesus' hand? Because if you give me a choice, I, I, I choose the cup of blessing. I don't think any one of us would say, I'll take the cup of wrath. I think we would choose the cup of blessing. So the question, therefore, is how do I get the cup of blessing? Listen to me. If you're not saved out there, if you're in this room today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you need to be asking this question for yourself. And if you think you're going to heaven because you're a church member and your name's on the roll and you walked an aisle and you got baptized in a tank and that is your confidence for entering heaven, you need to be asking this question. How do I get the cup of blessing that he offers the disciples at the Lord's table? Because I show enough don't want the cup of wrath. How do I get it? And the answer is only by God's mercy. Let me show it to you in scripture. I want you to go to Isaiah 55 verses 21 and 22. It's on the screen. Therefore, hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk, but not with wine. Thus says the Lord, the Lord, your God who pleads the cause of this people. Behold, 
I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of wrath you shall drink no more. How is that? Listen, we do not have to drink of the cup of wrath because Jesus, the beloved Son, drinks the cup of wrath on our behalf. We see it in His prayer. In His prayer, Father, remove this cup from me. If you're willing, remove it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In His prayer, the cup symbolizes the pain, the humiliation, the separation that He is about to experience and the death that He is, uh, is going to be required of Him. And he prays that the cup might pass undrunk, but it is Jesus' fate to drain the dregs of that cup. Christ becomes the sin of all the nations of the world, taking on every person's fate. And he lifts up the cup, and he drains the cup of wrath. And by drinking of the cup that God placed before him, Christ transforms the cup of wrath into a cup of life for you and me. That's the gospel. The gospel says that we can receive the cup of God's blessing from Jesus' hand because Jesus drank a cup of wrath from God's hand. The gospel says that we can drink a cup of mercy without wrath because Jesus drank a cup full of wrath without mercy. Spurgeon. I looked at Liz when I read this quote and I said, whoa. Give me your ears. The whole punishment, the whole of the punishment of his people was distilled into one cup. No mortal lip might give it so much as a solitary sip. When he put it to his own lips, it was so bitter. He well nigh spurned it. Let this cup pass from me, he said. But his love for his people was so strong that he took the cup in both his hands and with one tremendous draft of love, he drank damnation dry. He did so for all his people. He drank it all. He endured all. He suffered all. So that now, forever, there are no more flames in hell for his own. No racks of torment. They have no eternal woes. Christ Christ hath suffered all they ought to have suffered, and they must and they shall go free. It is because Jesus took the cup of wrath running over that we can now take the cup of mercy from Jesus' hands and say, My cup runs over. He drank the wrath, and we receive the mercy. There is a We see the cups here in this Luke passage. Now I want you to see there's a a past, there's a present, and there's a future aspect of these cups. The past is that this is what Jesus has done. On the cross, he declared when the wrath of God had been poured out, it is finished, and it was. It is finished, and so, friend, If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, trust what Jesus did for you. What is the basis of your salvation? If it's anything other than that which Christ has accomplished, your faith is in vain. There's a past aspect to the cup. There's a present aspect to the cup. 
that the cup makes us now content in what Christ has done. It gives me identity in what Christ has done. I live the now based on what Christ has done. I live my life in light of the cups of God. And there's a future. There's a future aspect of the cups that Jesus is showing to us. The cup of blessing and the cup of wrath. There's a future aspect. The cup of wrath one day... See, Jesus drank the cup of wrath for those who would put their faith in him, but the cup of wrath will be poured out for those who have not one day. In Revelation chapter 14, I believe it is, said that the wine of God's wrath will um, in the valley of Armageddon, which if you go to Israel with me this fall and you will stand on Mount Carmel and you will look uh, out over the valley of Armageddon, the valley of Armageddon where the last battle is supposed to be fought, And you will see with your own eyes when Jesus says the wine of God's wrath was as high as a horse of a bridle, the horse's bridle in the valley of Armageddon. And you'll go, whoa. There is the wrath of God to be poured out on those who've not trusted Jesus, and that is yet to come. But there's also a cup of blessing that is yet to come. Jesus, look look at verse 16. He says, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. In verse 18, I tell you, I will that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Listen, church family, if you are in Christ, there's going to come a day when you get to sit at the table of the Lord again. Christ at the head. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And one day we will ascend the mountain. And we will eat with him. Isaiah chapter 25 says it this way on the screen. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever on the mountain of God. There's coming a day, Christian, where we will sit at the table of the Lord and we will eat with him and we will drink with him and we will behold his glory. What happened in the garden was that they chose of the wrong tree and they were separated from him forever. They had dined with the Lord before and one day Because of Jesus, we will dine with the Lord in the garden of God again. So what is our response? I'll make this quick. Salvation. Salvation. What is it? I guess we should start with what it's not. It's it's not a prayer. If it were a prayer, that would mean that prayers are magical. Prayers do not save us. Jesus does. Your prayer attaches your life to the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all your prayer does. Doesn't matter how wonderful your prayer is, how childlike it might be. Your prayer is not your salvation. Jesus is. Your church membership is not your salvation. There's only one role that you need to be on, and that's the role in heaven, the Lamb's book of life. And it's only written when you place your faith in Jesus. Your 
Your salvation is not your good works. How well you behave. How moral you are. And at least I'm better than them. Because I, 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 have, I have the wrong measuring stick. The right measuring stick is Christ himself. How do you know you have it? It, it says in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There will be a life-transforming power comes upon everyone who, by faith, clings hold of Jesus Christ. Turning from sin in repentance and turning to Jesus in faith, there will come a life-transformation upon you. The power of God will come into your life. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is our response. Our first response to the cups of God is salvation. Have you trusted in Jesus and Him alone? Second, worship. Worship. Oh Lord, here He goes talking about singing again. Let me just... Psalm 116, verse 12 and 13. What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits to me? I will lift up the what? Cup of His salvation and call on the name of the Lord. That's worship. I'll lift up the cup and I will worship Him. I will adore Him for what He has done. If your salvation does not put a fire in your heart to worship the God who has created you and Jesus, His Son, who has saved you, then your salvation needs to be checked. I mean, the Psalms are all about an overflow of praise. And every time we participate in the Lord's Supper, we do this figuratively. We pick up the cup of blessing because Jesus took up the cup of wrath. And you should come today and participate in this cup. And you should do it with worship in your heart if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And we do it spiritually when we, by faith, we drink of the cup of God's salvation and take it into our innermost being. And we receive the divine blessings that the cup of Jesus holds. And we say, my cup runs over. It doesn't matter what happens to me today. My cup runs over. It doesn't matter how horrible the afflictions are in my life. My cup runs over. I am blessed because of the blessing of Jesus through the cups of God. And when you come today, I'm encouraging you to pause. Pause before you take the Lord's Supper and worship Him. Last, contentment. Contentment. Is contentment hard for you like it is for me? Contentment is tough. But it's, it's because Jesus took the cup of wrath that's running over that we can say, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the day, days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now let me tell you, no matter how many afflictions you have in your life, we can be content because the number of afflictions hold no candle to the degree of God's blessings that we experience every day. We can be content in our lot because truly our lines have fallen in pleasant places. We can be content. Wherever we are, we can learn contentment because of Christ in us. 
Jeremiah 2, and I'll end with this scripture and a quote. It says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Come to Jesus and be satisfied. Learn contentment at the feet of Christ today. That's why Paul says, whether I have a lot, I've learned to be content, or a little, I've learned to be content. I can do all of them, all things through Christ who gives me strength. Contentment. I'll end with this quote. Spurgeon says this way, Not only have I enough, but more than enough. I possess not only all that I'm capable of containing, but I inherit an excess of joy, a redundancy of blessing, an extravagance of favor, a lavishness of love. My cup runs over. In a moment, we're coming to the Lord's table. And here's what's going to happen. As we come to the Lord's table, we're going to encourage you I'm trying to, I got to remember all these instructions. Number one, we're going to start from the front and we're going to make our way down. And there will be deacons at each side of the, ta- the table with the elements to serve you. The reason why we have it down rather than going back through plates and such is simply because throughout the scriptures, our actions are often connected to our hearts. That's why. Uh, Tim, Paul to Timothy says, I want men in every place to lift holy hands in prayer. Question, can you pray without lifting holy hands? Sure. You can. But there's something about our body's connection to our heart. We see, we see things like uh, bowing the knee. We see things like shouting to the Lord. We think, see people laying prostrate on the ground in Scripture and it's because there is a connection to the, from the body to the soul. Okay? And so what we're trying to do in these moments is to encourage a, a, spirit or a physical movement that will reflect a spiritual one in our heart. You can do the movement and the Lord's Supper without your heart being attached to it, and all of it can be displeasing to the Lord. But what we're trying to do is encourage that. Trying, so we want to you to come down these center aisles here, One, two, three, four, five, these center aisles. And when you come down, the front pews are open. The altar is available. And so if you need to deal with the Lord, you need to confess sin, you need to confess a lack of contentment, or whatever you might need to get out, deal with the Lord, and then come to the Lord's table so that you can come with a pure heart. If you can't kneel, stand. Sit. That's okay. But come. And, and as you come, we encourage you, instead of walking back up the same way you came from, walk around. Walk around. Why walk around? In the Scripture, and I can't remember the passage, and forgive me for not remembering the passage, but God instructs the people, don't go back out the same way you came in. And there's a spiritual picture for us that when you come down you want to go back differently so it's just a symbol let me just say the lord's supper is for those who have trusted jesus as savior and lord it's if you have not trusted jesus and savior and lord please do that 
But this is for believers. There is no grace here. This does not give you grace or forgiveness. This is just a symbol of what Christ has already done. So today, Miss Margaret, would you come and play for us? Today we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to remember what He's done. We're going to live in light of what He's done today. And we're going to look forward. We're going to look forward to that one day when we're going to sit at the table with Him. He comes back for us. So before we start, Miss Margaret's going to play. And, and would you just pray with me? Father, work by your Holy Spirit in our hearts. Come and move among us. And let us get our hearts right with you. Thank you for the cup. The cup of blessing that we receive because of the cup of wrath that you took on our behalf. I pray for any lost person here today that they would trust in Jesus and be saved. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Deacons.